Okay, so we are in Unit 1 of The Gospel is the Power. If you're on your study guide, we are on page one. We are just at the beginning. Unit one is called The Good News. The gospel is good news. So there's a scripture there. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So Paul was set apart for the gospel of God, which He, meaning God, promised beforehand. So God had already promised the gospel through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. So the gospel is about God's son who was descended from David according to the flesh. So we need to know, you know, who who is David and why is that important? Um, And declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So there's that's a big mouthful. But Paul was set apart for the gospel. And this scripture also makes it very clear that we're entering into a story that is already in progress. The gospel is good news. So let's move right into point A. Guess what? The gospel is good news. But sometimes before we can have good news, yet we have to understand that there's bad news. The bad news is that everyone, Jew, Gentile, the whole world, everyone is an enemy of God without Jesus. But God sending Jesus, this is such great news, friends. (laughs) made a way for us to not be his enemies anymore. He sent Jesus as an ambassador of peace to reconcile us back to God so that we can be friends with God in a relationship with God and no longer his enemies. So let's look at the scripture Luke 2, chapter 13 and 14. This is even a passage about the birth of Jesus. He's born in this humble, humble beginning. I love that about our Savior. Uh, But we'll just jump right into verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. This is multitudes of angels are saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. So, Even though we, as all of mankind, were the enemies of God, God is so loving, so good, so gracious that he had good will even towards us as his enemies and sent his son to save us from the wrath and the judgment and the separation from God that we deserve. There is a day of judgment coming. And I know people don't like to talk about that, but it is the absolute biblical truth. Everyone on earth deserves the judgment and the wrath of God. And everyone on earth is subject to death. I don't care who you are and how great you're doing here in this life. You someday are going to to die. And I know there are a lot of people in a lot of places trying to avoid that, but one for one, it always happens to everyone. Everyone is subject to death in this world. But that was never God's plan. God's plan was for us as humans to have eternal life. And by sending his son, he has made a way, the only way for us to have eternal life with him and be in relationship with him again. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son 
has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So there it is. If if you do not believe in Jesus, you are still under the wrath of God. You are still an enemy of God. You do not have a relationship with God. You don't have access to him if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. So in point two, John 3, 16, so many people know and love this verse, um, but so many people stop at verse 16 rather than going into the verses that follow. So we're going to take a look at the whole thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did this not because he had to. God is the self-existent one. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anything. But God humbles himself and chooses to use vessels, even vessels that he created, to serve him and work with him. God, even when we were his enemies, still loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that we could have eternal life with him. And verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So if you're hearing messages out there by people who are condemning or talking about, you know, hellfire and brimstone, well, you know, sometimes there's truth in what they're saying. The day of wrath, the wrath of God is coming. The day of judgment is coming. What they're saying might be true. But that's the bad news. The good news is that God didn't send his son to condemn. The world is already condemned. You're already condemned. You don't need someone telling you how condemned you already are. The good news is that God made a way for you to not be condemned anymore. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 12. Hallelujah, or sorry, Romans 8. So hallelujah, we'll go into verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You know, these scriptures couldn't be any clearer. So we just said, if you don't believe Jesus, the wrath of God remains on you. If you don't believe Jesus, you are not saved. The, you, the, you are already condemned. But the good news is that God sent his son to get you out of that, to make a way for you to be free from that, to be delivered from that. So the gospel, as we've said, is is a story that's already in motion, and it's a story that God started. We're, we'll get into this a little bit more in the next uh, point, but, you know, God has his chosen people, Israel, and they were subject to oppression by enemy nations for about four or five hundred years. It depends on when you want to start counting. But, you know, they were they had even moved back into the land that God had promised to their ancestors, and they were anticipating the arrival of the Messiah to set them free from their Gentile heathen oppressors that were dominating them. They didn't have independence as a nation. They were oppressed. They were miserable. They they weren't exactly slaves, but they may as well have been because they didn't have their freedom. And so they were looking and they were waiting 
for the Messiah to come. And so jump with me, you know, we're at point two and to point two B, Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. Hallelujah. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. So they're waiting for a messenger to come with the message that the Messiah has arrived. Now, if you had been in a place, or maybe you are already in a place of torment and oppression and slavery and bondage and misery or sickness or oppression or torment or anything miserable that's going on in your life, and someone had the solution to your problem, someone had the key to like exit you from your prison, someone had the way for you to get out of the mess that you were in, you would think that that was a messenger who brought good news. You would say, how beautiful are your feet because you are bringing me the message that I need to hear that's going to change my life forever. So that's what this is talking about. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Good news. Who publishes what? Peace. Who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, and here we go, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, what does that mean? Zion is an equivalent term, you know, almost, not exactly, but it's used interchangeably with Jerusalem. Zion is actually a tower in the city of David. Hallelujah. And so within the city of Jerusalem, Zion is there. Hallelujah. And to Zion, Zion They have been believing, the people of Zion, the people of God have been believing that God would redeem and deliver them and raise them up. And they had continued to believe God, even though their outside, outward circumstances did not appear that God was on their side at all. And so this messenger coming is not just announcing good news and happiness and salvation, but he's saying to those who might have even looked foolish for continuing to trust God. He's saying to them, your God is the real God. Your God reigns. Zion, your God is the one, and he has come. Hallelujah. Imagine if you had put your faith in something and everything around looked like your faith had been misplaced, and then the good news comes. Your faith has not been misplaced. Your God is God, and he is here. Hallelujah. Would you think that that was good news? So in verse 8, the voice of your watch they lift up their voice and together they sing for joy. You know, you're when when you first understood the gospel, you might have sung for joy too. Maybe you're starting to understand the gospel even right now, singing for joy. This is great news. This is the news that I have been waiting for. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Amen. Break forth together into singing, your waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm. That's a symbol of his power. God is all powerful. And we're going to get into that in this course. The gospel is the power. But God bearing his holy arm, it is God revealing that in all the earth,
earth. He's the only one who has all the power. He is more powerful than anyone or anything or any spiritual force that exists because he created it all and he is sovereign over all. So the Lord bearing his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. Hallelujah. God is vindicating his people. And God is showing his power, but he's not just showing it to Israel. God is making the salvation available to Israel, but he's also making it available to everyone who will believe in this messenger of God that brings the good news. Hallelujah. So instead of the wrath of God that we deserve, by placing our faith in Jesus, we receive mercy of God. Amen. So going into point C, Romans 5, 6 through 11, you'll start to see, you know, God's perspective on this. So let's start with verse 8. But God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're enemies, but God came to give his life. Jesus came to give his life. He died on a cross, even though we didn't deserve it. We deserved the opposite. We were the ones that deserved to die. We were the ones that deserved the wrath of God. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, so maybe you haven't heard all this enemy talk before, but here it is. It's plain as day right in the scriptures. If you do not believe Jesus, you are an enemy of God. But the good news is that while you were his enemy, he came to die for you and reconcile you back to God. So for while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So through our faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. What great news is that? And again, we'll just kind of bring in this home so you can get the understanding that the good news is because there was bad news. So into point D, Colossians 1, 2 through 22, and this is from the New Living Translation. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Now, friend, I don't care who you are or what a good person you think you are. You are not. And that's something that all of us have to get our mind wrapped around. (laughs) We are enemies of God. Even though you might have had the best of intentions, I'm certain that you have told lies. I'm certain that you have had anger. I'm certain that you have looked down on other people. And these are all things that God condemns in the heart. They're not godly. We are God's enemies through our evil thoughts and actions. But yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the cross of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And now you are 
holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Amen. So through the blood of Jesus, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, which we'll get to in more detail in a, in a later unit, but we are now washed cleansed as if we had never sinned. All of the evil thoughts and actions that are counted against us, that make us enemies of God, have been washed away through the blood of Jesus. Is that good news or what? I don't care what you've done, how bad you've been, even if you had the best of intentions, even if you didn't, even if you were evil, even if you were a murderer, even if you were a professional thief, you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus when you put your faith in him. And because of that, even you can be holy and blameless as you stand before him, as if you had never sinned, as if you had a totally perfect record, faultless before God. That is good news. So again, it says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. We're into 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8, nor of me, his prisoner. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Don't be ashamed that I'm in prison for the gospel right now, because I'm sharing in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of works that, uh, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So there's a lot there, and we're going to unpack some of those things in the units that follow. But, you know, Paul is saying this started before the ages began. God had an eternal plan for a holy people to be with him for all eternity. It's a beautiful plan that is so the heart of God for his creation and for us humans who are made in the likeness of God to be called to be like him, to be his delegates and representatives on the earth. But first, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he shed his blood on the cross for us to be saved and delivered. Hallelujah. He abolished death through his resurrection. So that death that I talked about, everyone's going to die. Well, when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus abolished death. You can have eternal life and immortality, and it is all through the gospel. Now, friend, if that doesn't sound like good news, I don't know what is. That is wonderful, wonderful, good news. 